Tonight, stranded on a train going nowhere. VRL passengers stuck for almost 24 hours. Trouble on the tracks. We left at about 10 p.m. and it's just past 10 a.m. now. Frustration and fury. What was supposed to be a five-hour train ride turned into, I think, 14 hours. Winter chaos. I ain't going nowhere. Storms, snow, and squalls clobber Canada coast to coast. Plus, the weed nuns planting for profits. A sister act putting the cannabis in Christmas. CTV National News with Sandy Ronaldo reporting tonight, Todd Vander Hayden. Good evening. On the night before Christmas, finding the festive joy is a big challenge for some. Frigid cold, high winds and snow is pushing Canadians to the limit especially those who've been traveling out on the roads, in the air, or on the tracks. Down trees and power outages and halted VRL trains on crucial routes between Ontario and Quebec, leaving angry passengers stuck overnight, food and water running out, no clear sense of when they would get moving again. And while most finally got to their destinations, VRL then announcing the cancellation of all trains between Toronto and Ottawa, Toronto and Montreal, until Boxing Day. Yet another blow to those trying to make it home for the holidays. CTV's Judy Trent starts our coverage. Trains frozen on tracks while inside the terminal, frustration heated up as Via Rail cancelled at least two dozen trains on Christmas Eve, stranding hundreds of passengers. It's disappointing. You know, you have plans and it's... It's kind of crappy. <laughs> so disappointing, the Transportation Minister Omar Al-Gabra tweeted the situation was unacceptable, but called the weather unprecedented. Via Rail said strong winds had knocked out power and downed trees onto locomotives and tracks, forcing stoppages. Passengers on nine trains traveling along the Quebec City to Windsor Corridor were trapped for at least 15 hours including Ellery Kunin, who boarded the train in Montreal and needed to get to Toronto so he could fly to the Philippines. Uh, what was supposed to be a five-hour uh, train ride turned into a, I think, 14 hours by the time I got off at Coburg, with more people still staying on to go to Toronto. You can see everyone's tired and just kind of waiting for updates. In the opposite direction was Jane Livitenko. Her bus didn't arrive in Toronto, so she took a train instead and had more than half a day to regret the decision. Everything that has possibly could have gone wrong on this trip has gone wrong on this trip. Um, it seems like the train in front of us was hit by um, a tree or a tree branch. For many of these passengers, taking a train was their contingency plan. This was their plan B. Now they're looking for a plan C after trains were cancelled or delayed. Where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> the new plan for this group of women involves renting a car with strangers. After just meeting at the train terminal, they're taking a 500-kilometer road trip together in potentially treacherous conditions. It's a tough situation, so why not just band together and do what we can for each other? Meanwhile, Kunin made it to Pearson International after his parents met him at the Coburg train station and drove him the rest of the way to the airport. I've made it onto my flight. As for Livitenko, she got off the train in Kingston, where her uncle was waiting to drive her another two hours. Via Rail says she and other passengers stranded overnight will get ticket refunds. Judy Trin, CTV News, Ottawa.
And the major winter storm only adding to the headaches. Some areas are in states of emergency on this Christmas Eve. There are power failures in Quebec and the Maritimes, closed highways in Ontario, and delays and cancellations at major airports. Although one bright spot, Vancouver's airport finally seeing some relief after chaos earlier this week. CTV's Christina Tenalia has more for us. Many are dreaming of a white Christmas, just not one quite like this. Can't get a flight out for five days, and that's with uh, WestJet. Robin is at Toronto's Pearson Airport, hoping to head east to see his girlfriend in St. John's. He's stuck at the country's largest and busiest airport after WestJet cancelled all of its flights on Friday. The fatigue is setting in for travelers and for the storm, too. And it's exhausted like we all are, and it's heading out. But there's a lot of after effects, of course, the cleanup and, of course, the, the strong winds. But, you know, we're, we're all already in good shape. Roads in Toronto look to be in better shape, but in other parts of Ontario, not so much. In Kingston, warnings of whiteout conditions. And in parts of the Niagara region, a state of emergency with police warning drivers to stay off the roads. By this evening, more than 150,000 customers were still in the dark in Quebec. We're hoping to bring back power for, the, for most of the outages by tomorrow night, so by Christmas dinner. Which is likely to be spoiled, along with the festive spirit. So we do understand that the timing is certainly not ideal. It's Christmas for everyone. Tens of thousands are also dealing with outages in the Maritimes. Power crews were out, restoring what they can. It is easily one of the biggest uh, outages province-wide that we've had in the, in the last 25 years. And in British Columbia, some optimism. I have a migraine already. I'm just exhausted. I just want some food. Heading home is in the forecast, with Vancouver International improving their situation, with more than 80% of flights operating. While Environment Canada is predicting a quieter Christmas Day, snow, wind and freezing rain warnings are in effect for every province and territory. Christina Tenalia, CTV News, Toronto. At least 23 people have died across the United States due to the extremely dangerous weather. More than 100 million Americans are now under some sort of winter alert. In Buffalo, New York, it's shaping up to be one of the worst storms in that city's history, with more than 60 centimeters of snow and wind speeds of more than 110 kilometers an hour. A state of emergency is in place, and the National Guard are on the ground to help. And in Erie County, a surprising admission. It's not something that we're proud of. But in the worst affected areas, there is no emergency service available. In Kentucky, more than 700 cars and trucks were stuck on this stretch of highway after an emergency shut it down. And more than 600,000 customers in at least 13 states are still in the dark. The Prime Minister has sent out his holiday message to Canadians, Justin Trudeau, saying how blessed we are to live in Canada amid turbulent times around the world. So as we come together under the twinkle of Christmas lights, as we share a glass of good cheer with friends and colleagues, as we welcome the cousins, uncles, aunts, nieces and nephews we haven't seen in so long, and as we celebrate those unique traditions that reflect Canada's diversity, let's remind ourselves how fortunate we are to live in a country of peace. 
But peace is something that seems very far away for the people of Ukraine. Russia has renewed its assault on the city of Kherson, killing at least 10 people, wounding dozens more. The strikes come exactly 10 months since the start of the war. And also one day after Ukraine's president, Vladimir Zelensky, warned that Russia could exploit the Christmas season to rain down yet more destruction. Here's CTV's Richard Madden. Disturbing new video shows the grim aftermath from Russian airstrikes smashing the Ukrainian city of Kherson. Ukrainian officials say the Christmas Eve attacks left a deadly trail of destruction in a city liberated by Ukrainian troops just last month, but targeted by Moscow ever since. President Vladimir Zelensky describing the attacks as terror. It's killing for the sake of intimidation and pleasure. The world must see what absolute evil we're fighting against. Unfortunately, this year all holidays have a bitter taste for us, he said in his Christmas address to the nation, where he urged unity and hope. One for all of us, he said, that no kamikaze drones can extinguish the Christmas star. Just three days ago, Zelensky left the front lines for an historic trip to Washington, securing more than $40 billion in aid, more weapons and unwavering support from the White House. The American people have been with you every step of the way, and we will stay with you. Later, in his primetime address to Congress, Zelensky praised the American assistance. Your money is not charity. It's an investment in the global security and democracy. But with Republicans set to control the House in the new year, some are now questioning the cost of the war. We have spent more on Ukraine than all of the Europeans put together, and it's on their continent. Zelensky warns of more attacks during the holidays, but many Ukrainians are determined to keep that spirit alive, even in this underground bunker. Despite the war, uh, we want some holidays, some uh, happiness to be happy. Celebrating the holidays under bleak circumstances with resolve and prayer. Richard Madden, CTV News, Washington. At least 10 people are dead, 40 injured in the South African town of Boxburg tonight after a fuel tanker exploded near a hospital east of Johannesburg. The truck was delivering liquid petroleum gas to the hospital when the top of the vehicle scraped a low-hanging bridge, sparking flames. That led to the explosion. A nearby hospital, several houses and other infrastructure all damaged in the blast and then a secondary explosion injured first responders, destroying one fire truck and other vehicles. In Afghanistan, the outrage is intensifying. The Taliban regime targeting women again, barring them from working for domestic or foreign non-governmental organizations or NGOs. The reason, the Taliban say some women working at those agencies did not wear their hijabs correctly. The latest rollback of rights prompting more protests. Earlier this week, the Taliban announced a nationwide ban on women attending university. Advocates also fear the humanitarian crisis could deteriorate quickly as the country faces life-threatening levels of hunger. More unrest in Paris today between police and Kurdish protesters who are angry at the recent killing of three people by a gunman. This is day two of the demonstrations with cars overturned, shops vandalized. At least 11 people have been arrested as police use tear gas to disperse the crowds. The protesters say French authorities are not protecting their community and want the shootings on Friday to be considered an act of terrorism. Police did arrest a 69-year-old man in connection with the killings, and they say they suspect a racist motive. 
And China is in the grips of its first nationwide wave of COVID cases, with hospitals in some smaller cities said to be overwhelmed. Some intensive care units are turning away ambulances, leaving patients and their families scrambling to get treated. Lower vaccination rates, particularly among the elderly, a major concern. China began dropping its most restrictive COVID measures earlier this month, amid a series of unprecedented protests by those angry with three years of extreme lockdowns. The recent surge in cases has now led to a confused government messaging about learning to live with COVID after years of imposing a so-called COVID zero policy. Coming up for us, the sports scandal that rocked Canada's national pastime. It's disgusting in a lot of ways. The sexual assault allegations plaguing Hockey Canada and its players. The World Junior Hockey Championship gets underway in Halifax and Moncton on Boxing Day, but it's coming under a shadow of scandal. Hockey Canada faced months of mounting pressure over its handling of sexual assault allegations and payouts to victims. The organization's toxic culture lands at number eight in our top news stories of the year. CTV's Judy Trin on picking up the pieces after an ugly chapter. Once again, Canada is on top of the World Juniors. But all that gold can't obscure a dark secret. It's disgusting in a lot of ways, um, just to see kind of what's been transpiring behind the scenes. What transpired four years ago came to light this past May after TSN reporter Rick Westhead got a tip. This person said, you need to take a look at this court filing. It's, uh, it's called EM versus Hockey Canada. It's filed in London, Ontario, and it's going to rock the hockey world. In the lawsuit, a woman identified only as EM claimed she was raped by a group of players in 2018. It happened after a Hockey Canada gala at the London Delta Armouries Hotel. The woman, now 20 years old, alleged as many as eight players participated in her sexual assault while she was intoxicated. After London police closed their investigation, she sued for $3.5 million and Hockey Canada settled. Our instinct was one of compassion for the young woman and a sincere desire to respect her wishes and perspectives. We were keenly aware of the alternative to settling, that legal proceedings in these types of situations can re-victimize people in a very traumatic way. Hockey Canada refused to disclose the settlement amount, but it gets $14 million from the federal government annually. The sport minister ordered a forensic audit to ensure no public funds were used. Unfortunately, uh, we did not receive many answers. So the organization's leadership was hauled in front of a parliamentary committee. We're a microcosm of this country, and we're going to drive our efforts to the extent that we can to make sure that we build the culture, we improve the culture. Hockey Canada revealed it did launch an internal investigation, but did not require all the players on its 2018 roster to participate. If you want real accountability from Hockey Canada, you should have demanded all players participate in the interviews. Much more than just an offside. In June, corporations put the organization in the penalty box. Tim Hortons, Canadian Tire, Scotiabank and others paused their sponsorships. The lack of accountability made more evident with the emergence of a slush fund. Since 1989, Hockey Canada had used its National Equity Fund to pay out $7.6 million to settle sex assault and abuse cases. Minor hockey fees were also used, angering parents even more. Yeah, I was a hockey parent, a hockey coach, everything. I'm, I'm ashamed. 
In July, London police reopened their investigation into Hockey Canada. Calls for change in leadership swelled. It is inconceivable that folks at Hockey Canada continue to dig in. By August, a revolt was brewing. All provincial and territorial hockey federations demanded more transparency. Some threatened to withhold their fees. A former Supreme Court judge was appointed to review Hockey Canada's governance. But it would be another month until the entire board resigned. They've enabled this culture and also been a part of the decisions that we're now seeing as we peel back the, the layers that have been made around protecting um, the organization, protecting athletes who, uh, you know, commit sexual assault. But the damage was already done. All the work Hockey Canada had done over the years to grow and diversify the sport was unraveling. What's at stake, in my opinion, is uh, healthy communities, healthy kids and healthy families. A new board was named in mid-December, but the real test comes in just a few days in Halifax, where a second alleged group assault is under investigation. It occurred 20 years ago in 2003, the last time this city hosted the tournament. Will Canadians root for a new generation in a sport on thin ice? Judy Trin. CTV News, Ottawa. Still ahead for us, a cannabis co-op with a curious twist. We meet the weed nuns of Central California. Near Yosemite National Park, you'll find a small group of so-called nuns keeping the faith in each other and in their growing green venture, cannabis. These sisters of the valley are not your average nuns. They grow, they harvest, they produce their own line of marijuana products. And as CTV's Danielle Hamamjan tells us, these devoted sisters are doing it for themselves. For a group of women living in a remote area of California, Marijuana is literally a religion. They're called Sisters of the Valley, though many would remember them as the weed nuns. We're not ditzy stoner nuns. You know, we try to, we try to say that to folks. We're, we're not ditzy. We're scholars. We're intellectuals. We're spiritual. We walk our walk and we walk it very fluidly with everyone. They're not affiliated with a traditional religion. The sisters see themselves as feminist healers. They grow, harvest, and produce their own line of cannabis products. Bless these hands that touch the oil. In the course of the discussions of what would a new age order of sisters look like, we wouldn't beg. We would earn our own way. We would own our own property. And part of, I think, the gentle way to heal the problems of the planet is to have women own and control more things. Sisters of the Valley is part business, part activism that allows them to move away from big pharma. It's all meditative. We don't rush. Their products, they say, are the real deal. Handmade, handcrafted, and lab tested. One of their top sellers, they claim, can soothe achy joints. I had hoped that it was one of these things like, if you build it, they will come. And I had hoped that the framework of what I'm doing, making medicine, would attract the right kind of women. And I have lived to see that come true. The weed nuns aren't just a local hit. They ship all over the world. Savvy businesswomen with a lot of faith. Danielle Hamamjin, CTV News, London. After the break, a home run hero. A second look at the power of fans, friendship and baseball.
Finally, for us tonight, before we ring in 2023, we've asked our reporters to share some of their favorite stories from the past year. And in the spirit of the season, it's easy to cheer on one generous gesture from the baseball field. CTV's Heather Wright explains. This year, New York Yankee Aaron Judge hit 62 home runs, breaking the American League record. He probably doesn't remember a long ball he hit here in Toronto about a month into the season, but a nine-year-old fan certainly does. Here's a second look at a story about dreams, friendship, and the power of baseball. It all started with a hit in the top of the sixth inning, an Aaron Judge home run picked up by a Jays fan and given to a kid cheering for the Yankees. Not only a Yankee fan wearing a Judge t-shirt. He looked straight at me and now I, I knew he was going to give it to me. That kid is Derek Alexander Rodriguez. Derek as in Jeter, Alexander as in A-Rod. Rodriguez is a coincidence. Needless to say, they're big Yankees fans. They moved to Toronto from Venezuela five years ago and share a passion for baseball. For me, it's amazing. They love the game too, not just to watch the practice too. And when he got that ball last night, Derek broke down. I remember I said thank you, but I forgot everything else I said. I couldn't control myself. I got the ball, and as soon as he gave it to me, I just hugged him. I didn't know what I was, I just did it. Hey, this is the hero. And there were more hugs outside when the Rodriguez family ran into Michael Lanzalotta this afternoon. Little boy, right on. What's up, where's the ball? Lanzalotta says he didn't think twice about giving Derek the ball, but his generosity came with a promise. I said, you're going to be older like me one day, and you're going to have a chance to make you know, some kid's day, so just promise me you know, if you ever get that opportunity, you will. But if Derek's day was made yesterday, his year was made this afternoon. How you doing, my man? Great. Doing good? When Aaron Judge shook his hand in the Yankee dugout. Who's, who's your favorite player? Me. <laughs> Oh, that still gives me goosebumps, you know, to this day to, you know, see little kids that, you know, are wearing my number, wearing my jersey, you know, something I dreamed of. I used to be in his position, you know, that little kid, you know, rooting on my favorite players and teams. An unforgettable 24 hours Glad for these two oh families. My Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure, to meet Pleasure you. is mine. No, it's a wonderful thing you did. Thank you. They started last night's game as strangers in the stands and now have a friendship, all because of baseball. Heather Wright, CTV News, Toronto. And that's it for us for tonight. I'm Todd Vander Heden. On behalf of Sandy Ronaldo and everyone here at CTV National News, Merry Christmas to you and all the best for a safe and happy holiday season. Jar Malbin will be here tomorrow. Have a great night.